Well, uh, we're delighted to have them around living in Ashford. They're all fine people. And it's wonderful to have them. And they're very well accepted in the area. As a matter of fact, not only in Ashford, but in the, in the whole of County Wicklow. The whole of County Wicklow? Yes. I mean, are they that well known they are, around yes, the, they are the county? Yes, they're universally known, yeah. Universally known. That was John Dignan, retired detective sergeant who is now, for the second year running, the mayor of Ashford, a small town in County Wicklow with a population of some 750 people. Apart from its prehistoric legends, Ashford's only claim to fame until recent years was that John Millington Singh once lived nearby in Glanmore Castle. But today, the people that Mayor Dignan is so delighted to have in his town and its picturesque valley are a group of internationally known writers. They've settled in Ashford and in surrounding centres like Wicklow Town and Delgany and Greystones, mainly to take advantage of Ireland's tax concessions for writers and artists, and some have come for other reasons. But despite their fame abroad, some of them appear almost unobtrusive in the Irish community among whom they live. We asked Peggy Atkinson in a restaurant and shop in Ashford, which is famous for its 42-year-old parrot, how many writers did she know? How many writers? Yes. I know Mr. Gordon Thomas, um, Mrs. Kornberg, who's Catherine Gaskin, and Siobhan Lynham. That's only three. Well, they're, I'm trying to think of the names of the others. I just can't get them. There is another man who lives up the hill who's a writer. I don't know his name. Did you see them much in the, in the village? Oh, yes, yes. I spoke to Mr. Gordon Thomas only yesterday in here. Few of the writers, apparently, are as well-known to Ashford people as the gregarious Gordon Thomas, author of numerous best-selling books and films about the world's great disasters, from the earthquake in San Francisco to the collapse of the market in Wall Street. He first came to Ireland two years before the tax concessions to write a screenplay for a film about Robert Emmett, which never got made. And it was his bank manager who told him to go to live within a 30-mile radius of Dublin. And Ashford is the place he chose. I mean, I have learnt a great deal from uh, my neighbours here about the sort of life of the country. See, I mean, my children are taken for walks by other kids here or by housekeepers or, or, or by anybody. And they, they sort of learn about the leaves and the... Uh, the fields and the woods and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I think it's a wonderful way to bring up people. And one of the things we were attracted to was that here is a place we could bring up our children, knowing they would be safe and secure. We could bring them up in, in a community which is a little closed, and you can get out of this community as much as you give. Now, there are some writers who live in the valley who I think live cloistered behind closed-wall lives, which is a terrible mistake. They put up big fences and sort of, you know, the, the signs are clear, keep out or else. I tend to believe that if you live in this community, you must become totally integrated, and you must become involved. Now, I also don't go around pretending to have a sort of a broth of a boy voice and, you know, sort of playing the stage Irishman. That's not my role. I go around with my voice, <laughs> you know, who, who I am. And um, I think, I mean, if you are realistic in how you become involved here, they will accept you on their terms. And once you are accepted, they'll do anything for you. For instance, this year now, my wife has been uh, quite ill, on and off. It's amazing how the neighbours rallied round. They, they, they drove me to the hospital, because I don't drive. One of the problems I have, I don't drive. They drove me to the hospital. 
They looked after the children. They do anything for you. They're tremendously kind people in this valley. And they enjoy, I think, having us amongst them. I mean, I'm amazed, though, how astonishingly well-informed my neighbours are about my career, my life. They're much more informed about me than I'm ever about them. I'm amazed. I mean, I, I, I'm just astonished how, how, how much they know, you know. Not all writers like to be as conspicuous in the community as Gordon Thomas, as local garage man Des Atkinson will tell you. They're a little bit standoffish, uh, the other, but not, not Gordon Thomas. Gordon Thomas is a very affable, you know, and he's, he's nice to everybody, no matter whether you're high up or low down. But living in the country, even for a writer, can be lonely. Isolation is something that Siobhan Lynham, for instance, can do without. She lives off the beaten track in a remote 18th-century cottage. She's Irish, but she comes from west of the Shannon, and she settled in Ashford, as she says, 17 and three-quarter years ago, when she had to spend some time commuting to Dublin. Now she finds that being inaccessible can have its disadvantages. Well, I only partly want it, really. I want to be cut away like this uh, all day. But uh, zero hour kind of arrives about 630 and then you really you need somebody around. I have two cats and they're very chatty, but uh, they're not chatty enough. Um, in the summer, that's not a problem because um, well, one has the garden and the days are long. But in the winter, it is a problem. But um, uh, I make no bones at all about just uh, uh, putting on my Wellingtons and going down to the local. And I mean, I know I think every man, woman, and child in the village, and they all know me. And I think if you live in a village, that's the way it should be. For Siobhan Lynham, Ashford meant coming home after the years she spent living in Paris. For English film and television writer Edmund Ward, who now lives four miles from Ashford in Wicklow Town with his French-born wife, Ireland was an unknown quantity. I did not literally know a soul in Ireland. I climbed off the Aer Lingus flight with all my worldly goods and... I found an honest taxi driver. He told me the I'd missed the train. And he said, where are you going? And I said, well, in a clash. And he said, where's that? And I said, I think it's near Wicklow. It was as haphazard as that. Now that they are here, probably breathing sighs of relief at having escaped the taxman, what are their first reactions? Neil Boyd is the man who writes a series for books and television which has been very successful in Britain and the United States called Bless Me Father, about the life of a parish priest and his curate. Neil Boyd is now living with his wife and young children in Ashford. Well, I would have thought that, if you don't mind me saying so, the Irish means of communication, roads, phones and uh, the mail service in general, must be about the worst in Europe, I would think. But... Uh, there are other immense advantages, I think, which counterbalance this. I don't think anybody would stay as a so-called tax exile in any land, except that he really loved to be there. He might stay for a couple of years and get the benefit of tax exemption, but he wouldn't stay for long, especially if he's got a family. He has to take into uh, consideration whether his children love living here, and mine, in fact, do, and my wife, being Irish, of course, does as well. And the thing, if you don't, if I may say so, about the Irish is that they remain, by and large, a very Christian, courteous people. 
They have time for you, which is, in the modern world, a rather valuable thing. Uh, again, where I come from, uh, my homeland, uh, where, certainly where I lived in London, it was very, very fast. And people living in cities like that, they don't really know one another. That's why they don't have time for one another. But we live here in a kind of village community. The children love it. They have wonderful school opportunities, I think, here. They love their school. And uh, this house, quite a large house, and it can house an enormous number of children at once. I mean, the other day we had a party, a birthday party at that, in which we had 32 children and about 16 adults. And they seem to merge into the house and into the garden. And uh, I think that we, curiously enough... My wife and I also have more friends here than we ever had in England. And this, again, is to be explained, perhaps rather simply, that when you are a commuter, as I was in England, all your energy is used up travelling to and from work. When you get home at night, you simply just want to collapse in front of the television. And at weekends, you spend your time just keeping up with the family, and you find that your circle of friends is diminishing all the time. Now, here, I think we have the best of both worlds. We have a very wide circle of friends, uh, chiefly because of the children, through them, their friends, and, uh, and their, the parents of their friends. And then when my family come here, as they often do, especially in the summertime, we can really get down and talk, because there's time for one another, which I think is one of the wonderful things about the Irish character in general. They love talking to one another, and they very kindly include us in. Catherine Gaskin is one of the most widely read writers of romantic fiction in the world. She came to Ashford before the tax-free law was even a gleam in Charles Hawhey's eye, and to her, Ireland was the country to which she was returning. For although she grew up in Australia and wrote her first novel there while still a teenager, she was born near Dundalk. I was born in Blackrock outside of Dundalk in a house... Uh, on a spit of land where the sea spray literally hits the windows. And I was born in that house, not in hospital, in that house. The youngest of six children. And if ever there was, I suppose, a child of the sea who doesn't want to go to sea, I'm frightened of it. Uh, not that I get seasick or anything like that, but I do not like... The Australian part of me comes out there because I, I, I'm frightened of sharks and things like that. Uh, but there, there was majesty in my birth, I suppose, and I'm now sitting in the majesty of these hills, and I feel very humble uh, when I look out here and I think, here you are, you're very insignificant, you're very small, there is all this beauty, there is all this sky. Now try to live up to it in certain ways, if you can if you can. Catherine Gaskin is married to the American technical writer Saul Kornberg and one Ashford resident of long standing at least made an effort at getting his name right. Cole Kornberg. Yeah. He's a writer. He's living in the vicinity here for the last ten years. Back. And his wife is Mrs Gaskin. She writes books. Those two now are Mr. Thomas and this other gentleman that I don't know him by his name, or I've known him being at that game the last couple of years back. And they seem to be all doing very well at There must be money in them, although the weather is bad on us, raining. They can sit in and do the writing for us to read. 
and it's not bad when they're able to make something out of them, you know. Have you have you ever read any of these books? And only one. What one was that? Well, no, I couldn't tell you the name, but gentleman bought it at the castle in Glenmore, mm. given as a present by Mr. Thomason as a sales there to help. Ah, I see. Construction in Wicklow, and it was very good. I only got a certain amount of it read because I don't have much time for that work. What was know. it about? Pardon? What was it about? Can you well, remember? I couldn't, I tell you now, in fact, what. But if I had known you were coming, I'd have known a lot more, you know. George Stevens, who himself can tell a good story. It doesn't bother some of the writers who have come to County Wicklow whether or not the locals recognise them. Edmund Ward, for instance. I think basically they know me as a strange Englishman who's come to live here, Um, minds his own business works for a living. I have a sort of wife who (laughs) is very keen on the tradesman, the grocer shop, butcher shop, etc. Loves fresh food. So that she's probably far better known I wouldn't. I wouldn't compete. I mean, Mrs. Ward is far better known in Wicklow than Edmund Ward. Um, I'm just as pleased about this. I'd, I'd rather be uh, the small part of what I am. John Gardner has just completed the first original novel for over twelve years, featuring Ian Fleming's famous Secret Service agent, James Bond. He came to Ashford two and a half years ago, but how many Ashford people know him as the best-selling novelist of books of espionage and crime? Heaven only knows. I I go into shops there and people speak to me and know who I am. And I'm often quite surprised I go in somewhere... This is one of the things that I love about Ireland. You walk into somewhere that you haven't been before and the gentleman behind the counter or the bar or wherever calls you by your name. Uh, There is the extraordinary Bush Telegraph, which uh, took me about a year to get used to. Are there any disadvantages? Not really. Uh, At the moment, there are disadvantages with the petrol, of course. Getting food, because we're two miles from the village and six miles from Wicklow. And uh, we did have a little bit of trouble earlier this year with the water supply and we all got lead poisoning. But apart from that, there's no, no real disadvantage at all. Occasional difficulties with getting through to London, but um, when I have business things to discuss, it's easier to get through to New York than London. Indeed, when you have come to County Wicklow from New York or London or even Hong Kong, like novelist Robert Elegant, Irish life may take a little getting used to. Well, the food isn't as good in Hong Kong. <laughs> but Yes, it did. But, but also, this is the first time that we have lived, it's in our married life, that we have really lived in a country rather than on top of a country. I mean, being part of a community. And uh, I think this is terribly important and terribly pleasant. And there are mildly unpleasant things, but there are an awful lot of pleasant things. So, yes, it, it was different. But remember, we, we were married in India. I had lived in Singapore, we had met in Japan, oh, we'd courted in Hong Kong, but there you were always sort of floating, whether you were the cream or the scum, I don't know, in the community. But here you're part of the community, which I think is very nice. Also, uh, in Greystones, in Ashford and elsewhere, the Irish have one peculiarity which I find very attractive. They take writers seriously, 
and they like them and respect them. I mean, and I am not about to tell them that this is a mistaken attitude. And when you live away from the noise and the traffic of the world's great cities and look out on an empty Irish landscape, does your work get better or does the view really matter when you sit down at your typewriter every morning? Well, I think I had to work harder to possibly attain the same results. Now, I'm not sure because, you see, one's getting older all the time and it's, it's hard to exactly pace how you're doing. But I must say... This has been an extremely productive place for me because it's so quiet. Uh, you know, I enjoy this incredible quiet that, that's around. You're not, I'm not disturbed by traffic, by people, rarely by the telephone, and uh, this is heaven. <laughs> you know, as far as writing is concerned, it couldn't be better. Uh, oh, Lord. I've written about five books since I've been in Glenmore Farm, where I live. And I don't know, I, I seem to be working at full strength, seem to be working very well. I suppose it's the peace and quiet and being able to look out at those lovely green, that lovely green valley. But I, I do seem to be putting out more work than I have for the last three years before I came out. Only when I came to Ireland did I have enough financial resources to be a professional writer. And therefore, you, I can only compare myself now as a professional with what I was as an amateur. And I do find that uh, I manage to get up on time uh, very regularly at an early hour, and I work all through the morning. I do about, or oh, I should think, uh, many persons' days work before one o'clock. You see, I've done about five or six hours, perhaps, before lunch which is quite a stint, and the rest of the day is researching and thinking and uh, walking in order to stimulate thought, hopefully. But I do, curiously enough, find that I have more original thought since I came to Ireland than before. But this could very well be, not simply because I'm living in rather beautiful surroundings here in Wicklow, but because my time is my own. Oh, it's a great place to write. It's a great place to write, in part because you don't... Most places that we have lived in, say Hong Kong, New York, Tokyo, and so on, there's tremendous pressure which diverts you from work. Here, you can get just as good conversations as you can get anywhere in the world, a little more introspective than it is most places in the world, but still very good conversation. But if you don't, when, 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 when you say to people, look, we, we can't come out on a Thursday or on a Tuesday, but only on a Saturday. They understand it, which they don't in a lot of places. And the other thing is that uh, the, the pressure isn't there. There isn't the pressure of population. And I find, at least, that uh, I've been able to work better here, I think, than anywhere else. Oh, it's killing me. Um, I'm working... The years I've... I've done a major series, 13 hours, I've written what I think is a good book. I would think my output has gone up by certainly 15%, but the, not the ease, it's never easy. The climate in which it's done, nobody bothers me. I can sit in, in the room upstairs. I can look over Wicklow Bay uh, I have a permanent robin. Um, we've had three thrushes' nest, and there is a wren in the hydrangeas. 
And I sit there and I've got no alternative but to do the best I can and to work. When a group of some of the world's best-selling writers come to live in one small area of a country like Ireland, inevitably their presence has an effect on property values and Billy Clark, a local Ashford auctioneer, should be pleased. Well, a lot of them come here. I think we have about six world-famous authors here at the moment. They moved in from 1970 onwards. They bought nice properties. They, they spent a lot of money in, and uh, uh, increased the value of them, um, particularly Gordon Thomas. He's made a lovely job of the rectory, which he bought here in um, 1974. Uh, he paid 47000 for that, spent a few bob, and I would reckon it's present-day value now to be a quarter of a million. Would you say that they have bought the best properties in Ashford? Uh, they weren't the best, perhaps, when they bought them, but they are the best now. They, they own the cream of the property in this valley here. Already, of course, writers have come and gone. Frederick Forsyth sold his house in nearby Enniskerry and went back to live in England. Now Catherine Gaskin is planning to leave Ashford sometime next year, mainly because she thinks it's time she retired from writing. After all, she began when she was 11, and also because she doesn't like the idea of settling in any place for a lifetime. Now what's forever? I have had four nationalities in my life, and I'm back to my Irish one, <laughs> which was the first, of course. I've lived in a quite a lot of countries. Um, I couldn't say that anything is forever. Admittedly, those who feel they have become a part of the Ashford community don't like the idea that other writers might perhaps be a little transient. Siobhan Lynham. I was very surprised when Freddie left because um, he had become very much part of uh, life in Enniskerry and um, uh, he had apparently personal reasons for going, but I would regard them all as being people who've really come to live here, you know, and are part of our local scene, you know. I mean, Gordon Thomas is as well-known here as uh, uh, Robert Walpole of Mount Usher. Is it possible that some of these writers may, by now, have put down some roots in Ireland? Gordon Thomas is Welsh, his wife is German, but his children seem part of the Wicklow scene. Has he put down roots? Yes, I hope so. I think for Edith, who came from Germany... And for myself, who's always been a footloose man, I think this has been a place where we feel tremendously rooted. For me, the greatest joy, you know, is when I cross that cattle grid into the old rectory and all the world outside, all the pressures and all the big deal stuff of Hollywood and promotion and all that stuff, it all sort of fades into perspective when Jack, my gardener, comes up and he says, you know, it's been a terrible year while you've been away. Like, I'm responsible for that. And I said, what's the matter, Jack? He says blight in the potatoes, the raspberries didn't take, and you see, look at this wood we've got here. And I'm immediately plunged back into a real world where he's worried that we don't have enough turf. Who does? But we don't. And he's worried at the state of the hedges. And these sort of things are much more important. And I've learned to take these as part of our perspective. It doesn't really matter whether you are a best-selling writer or not. From my point of view, what really matters is that are the hedges... The, the, the way Jack wants them? Or does Pat Jenkinson have something to say about the way our roof has been slated and so on? These sort of things, you see, and I mean, I think that's terribly important. What do you think has brought the, the other writers here in your wake to the valley? Why did they choose this particular place? I don't know. Some of them say I attracted them here, but I, I think it's like too grand a thought. Uh, I think they've all come because they sought what I've tried to find, which is... Um, 
peace and 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 sort of tranquility. It is the most peaceful um, valley I know. You know, every two years I go off for our tourist board to America and, and give a lecture about our valley called My Village, My Valley, in which I describe this extraordinary place we live in. And I say, of course, you know, American audiences, as you can imagine, are faced with the most tremendous crime problems. I say, sure, we have crime in our valley, sheep rustling. And I tell them the story about the police station, our village police station, which until recently didn't have a telephone and still has a sign up outside, which, you know, which has limited hours for business. You know, it's wonderful. We assume crime here takes place between 10 and 12 in the morning and 2 and 4 in the afternoon. And I think that's excellent, you see. We do have now some crime problems, not too many, I think. And it's petty crime. But, you see, I feel here you can actually leave your your uh, back door open. Nobody's going to come and steal from you. I mean, it's a bit of apple scrumping. But isn't that wonderful? When you think people are being coshed in other parts of the world, we worry about apple scrumping here. So I think people come here, they're attracted to the peace and quiet. And I think some people say that it's this sort of mystical image of uh, Singh and the castle... Um, I don't know. For me, it's just a very nice place to be. It's a very comfortable place. And it's full of real people. And that's the thing I find. I've made more friends here, real friends in this valley. I mean, people like Pat Jenkinson, Des Atkinson of the Garage Man, people who work for me, tremendously nice people. I've made real friends with them than I've ever made uh, in any other part of the world I've lived. I mean... I always think now I'm coming home here. It's a good place to come home to. Other writers like Neil Boyd, when asked about roots, inevitably feel a certain nostalgia for the country they left behind them. I can only speak for myself. I I don't really know why people will go back, except uh, I, I have hints of it in myself about why I would want to go back. I was watching a film about the Blitz the other night, The Blitz of London, and uh, it almost brought tears to my eyes, the memory that I, as a child, lived through that. And I told my boys, you know, that there was not a single night of my childhood that I was able to sleep through it because we were woken up, we lived in a dugout at night, uh, our, uh, the, our parents would have to be fire-watching and, and things like that. And you, when you live through that with a particular... You are part of the people and your roots are there. And it could very well be that at some future date I will say, my roots are there. But then again, I have this contradiction because I am uh, partly Irish as well. I mean, what my great theme in life actually is that uh, I don't think any Irishman would agree with me, but that the Irish and, and the English taking the English as meaning really the British, get on very well together if the politicians would leave us alone. And that in many ways, you take myself as an instance, am I English or am I Irish? To listen to me, you know I'm English. But then uh, my traditions in my family are not English at all. They're Italian and Irish. And the strongest element is the Irish. I mean, the, the family tradition is of my great-grandmother, who 
just drunk herself silly uh, and ended up in, in Holloway Prison. And every time I passed the place, I used to spit at it, you know, to think that they locked up my dear old great-granny in that horrible place merely because, as a good Irish woman, she couldn't take a drink very well. And, and then she would give her literally her last penny to the, to the church collection, although she would, didn't go to church herself. It had to be there. It had to be on the plate. That was her contribution. And uh, you see, that is a very strong part of my tradition as well. And so out of it all is that I don't feel an alien in this land, although people might think of me as a foreigner. I have never felt an alien from the first moment that I set foot on the land. And that is because within me there is more than the English tradition, there is the Irish as well. And I would very much love to feel that the two peoples are one, as I honestly do feel them to be, and that I could continue to live here in in peace and happiness. For thriller writer John Gardner, living on the estate where John Millington Singh lived, how permanent is his stay going to be? Well, in Ireland, certainly permanent. I'm putting down roots. Uh, I'm old enough and ugly enough to realise that now has the time. I've been a bit of a rover all my life, and now is the time to really put down roots. And I'm looking for a permanent residence. It's certainly going to be in Ireland. If I could find the right house uh, near Wicklow, it might be ideal. Uh, on the other hand, with petrol and all the other things, maybe it would be better to move in slightly nearer Dublin. But if I do have to do that, I'd be very sad because I, I adore Wicklow, I adore the people, and I love Ashford itself. Made a lot of friends and acquaintances in the area. But nobody we spoke to was as philosophic as the television writer Edmund Ward. I think I've put them down. I stroll through Wicklow now. I want to stay and live in Wicklow. Um, I want to stay and live in Wicklow town. When I was in London and we owned a Georgian coach house, which was one of a pair in a walled garden 20 minutes from Piccadilly. I knew far fewer of my neighbours by name than I know now. Roots? That's a very, very difficult question. My roots are in a a small Olivetti typewriter and a chunk of paper in the morning and the terror of the blank page. Whatever about the work they do when they sit down at that blank page of paper in the typewriter, and whatever about their sense of permanency, what contribution are they making to the community among whom they've come to live? Well, they they give some employment in the area, and uh, they bring people to see them. They're, they're guests, they're friends, they're relatives. And then they contribute a lot to the uh, social activities of the place and they contribute as far as I can see to everything that happens in the area particularly in uh, charity and uh, fundraising all that kind of thing they're always in the forefront The writers have their own views about how they fit into the community around the Valley of Ashford Neil Boyd Being Catholic you have the advantage here of belonging to the church community. This has its advantages again and disadvantages. I, I mean, I can't imagine being back in England and have the parish priest brandishing the penny catechism at us like a spear every Sunday morning, or almost every Sunday morning, you know. Uh, but I, another reason we don't feel strangers is precisely because 
part of our inheritance, and a, a very great part of it, is the Catholic tradition. And again, uh, I've always lived among the Irish, uh, and uh, they, uh, m- many of my friends have been Irish. So once more, we can, as it were, melt into the community and be, feel part of it without any difficulty at all. But then, of course, it was a community that many of them didn't actually choose. John Gardner, for instance. I chose it... Well, I didn't choose it, in fact. Um, as you know, a number of authors living there, you've been talking to them, and I happened to have contacts with at least one of them, Gordon Thomas, who said, come and have a look out here. And when we first arrived in Ireland, I really had nowhere to live. I had a, a rented flat for a month or so in Dublin, and I came out and by chance found that there was a farmhouse to rent and after about a month, we managed to rent it from the late Reg Armstrong. And I've been there ever since, looking for a permanent residence. It's a farmhouse, I think, on the old estate where John Millington Singh lived. Indeed it is. It's just above Glamour Castle. So do you find any vibrations there? I don't believe in vibrations like that at all. I'm one of these people who doesn't believe in inspiration or anything like that. I just believe in very hard work. The Ashford Valley can even seem strange to a writer from another part of Ireland, like Siobhan Lynham. Well, I think uh, Wicklow... I'm, of course, I should admit, a Westerner. I'm from west of the Shannon, and I like to emphasise that, because I I do think we're different. We're we're a different type of people, and my childhood was a kind of enchanted childhood in the wilds of Connemara, with periods in France, but um, that always has remained in my mind the place, the magic place. But um, it's very far away, and if you want to do um, all the nixers that you have to do if you want to write serious literature, you must be somewhere within reach. But it wasn't really because of that that I bought bought this. It just simply, I fell in love with the house. It was a little 18th-century cottage intact with the original windows and even the original glass in the windows. And... and, um, it just seemed a pity to pass it up. You see, and at that time, I was still working in Dublin, so I was able to commute. Since you came here, now others have followed. Not necessarily followed, followed you, but okay. they have followed. Yes, yes, a lot of people have um, moved in here since. Well, of course, uh, there is, I mean, apart from the, the question of convenience, there is the fact that, you must admit, Wicklow combines practically every type of scenery that there is in Ireland. You get the whole lot here really. I mean, you could get into an area as wild as the wildest part of Connemara in a matter of minutes. You could be in lush valleys like mine when I look out of the window there. You've the sea, you've lakes and rivers. Um, You've everything, really. When they're not looking out of the window at the view, what is this work which they all seem to do so well in the atmosphere of the Ashford Valley and its surroundings? Gordon Thomas and his co-author, Max Morgan Witts, who's a Canadian, have written some five major books since Thomas settled in Wicklow, although his co-author seems to prefer living most of the time in the south of France. For one thing, the climate's better. They're at work in Ashford on a new book about another recent disaster, a world health disaster. Catherine Gaskin is publishing a new novel about the girls in an Australian family. It's called Family Affairs. Edmund Ward has written a book called The Baltic Inheritance. Neil Boyd is finding new audiences for his tales of a parish priest in America. 
and Robert Elegant has followed his first enormous novel about China with a second about the work of the Jesuits in that vast country. Well, my new book, which is called Manchu, is coming out uh, next month, and this was done entirely here. I mean, we did a lot of travelling. You have to travel and if you write about, as I do, mostly about Asia. But this was done entirely here, and it was done more rapidly, and I trust uh, more uh, proficiently. And I think a good part of it was the atmosphere of Ireland, which allows you to write. Well, I think, if I might, I, I would go back a stage and say it isn't so much by coming here to this particular valley, it's coming home to Ireland. Um, I've only had one really abiding passion all my life, and that has been Ireland. And um, I think I still see it in a way. <clears throat> Very few people I meet see it, but I still see it like that. And Therefore, I, I had to be here to write. Uh, in all the years, the 17 years I lived in Paris, I managed to, re to write one short story. That was all. Uh, it just isn't conducive to the kind of thing I need. Maybe it's atavism or maybe it's just in my imagination. I don't know, but uh, um, Ireland is a kind of mother figure to me. That's Siobhan Lynham's attitude to Ireland and her work. But after two years here, Neil Boyd believes he's able to make use of the Irish expressions he hears in the dialogue of his series, Bless Me Father. He thinks we have a very special way with language. I think that the Irish culture and tradition contributes a very great deal to my books. And I would hope that in some ways I keep alive in my books some of the things that I discover in Irish tradition like the wonderful Irish phraseology. My own view is that the Irish speak a more colourful form of English than any other people that speak English today. And I like to recover lots of this that many Irish people have never even heard of. Uh, and even when I talk to them, they are not aware of just how beautiful and poetic the imagery that they're using is. I mean, I, I find this all the time. I, I could give any number of examples of this. I, uh, if you take an Irish phrase uh, where somebody's wasting his time, don't stand there lengthening the day, you see. Now, I find that very colourful way of expressing don't waste your time, stand around doing nothing. Don't just stand there lengthening the day. And if you listen to Irish people speaking, you'll find language of that character, that calibre, is a remarkable way of expressing themselves. And I think it's because, unaware as, the, as it may be to themselves, they are, in fact, almost as it were, transliterating the Gaelic. And it is a wonderful language. And what of John Gardiner, living on the estate where John Millington Singh once lived? He's written a number of novels of crime and suspense, and now this widely-travelled author has been commissioned to take over where Ian Fleming left off and write, in the unlikely setting of County Wicklow, the novels of James Bond. I'm doing three of those books... Um, which means that for about four months in the year, it's fun time, um, because doing them is a nice little challenge and it's fun, and you know, so I, I do that for about four months of the year, and the rest of the year I spend on my own stuff. What does it mean, uh, trying to fit yourself into the shoes of Ian Fleming and write these James Bond books? Uh, well, the brief was simply to lift... Bond and M and Moneypenny and all the rest of them out of where Mr. Fleming left them in the 1960s, lift them intact and put them into the 80s. And it's really the effect of the 80s upon the characters that he created in the 60s. So the, the, any changes are really brought about by the change of the, of the world. 
apart from the contribution to the world of books, these writers have their own ideas about the contribution they are making to the community in which they now live. Robert Elegant. I think I can only speak for myself. I mean, I'm not a spokesman for anybody else. And if I, I find myself in a very peculiar situation, which is upon certain set times, under certain circumstances, one tries to do something, and you get the feeling, the Irish have the feeling, that the old Groucho Marx joke, which is, you know, who would want to be a member of a club that would have me as a member, and if this fellow lives here, there must be something wrong with him. I mean, you know, I spent my life as a foreign correspondent all over the world, but nobody's ever come back to me for expertise and other things. That's one side of it. And the other side is that, yes, I think that we do make a contribution in our own quiet way. I've been able to do something about one of the most wonderful institutions you have here, the Chester Beatty Library, and uh, through various things, the people there are now getting, not solely through me, but in a tiny bit through me, are getting paid what they should be paid. Um, you know, and there are various things that one does, and... Uh, I feel neither guilty nor nor unguilty. I mean, I, I'm part of the community and I do what I can, as one does, because uh, it isn't a question of pounds, shillings and pence. It's a question of you live in this world and this is the way it is. And what about their neighbours? Pat Jenkinson from Ashford has built some desirable workshops for some of these writers. I think that if... If anything should happen that would occasion them leaving, there'd be an awful lot of people sad to see them go. And uh, as I say, that we all like to hear that there's yet another coming uh, to, to grace our, our valley with our presence. One local man, John Sinnott, has made his own international reputation for strawberry growing, and he says he's got his name into the Guinness Book of Records, and he has his own ideas about why these new neighbours have come to Ashford. Well, you see, we live around Ashford. Everyone talks about how beautiful Ashford is and all. We don't appreciate it because we're looking at it every day of the week, I suppose, you know? Um, maybe these other people see something around here that we don't see. Have you read that one? I don't know. What is it? What? It's hard to put... A, an outsider would be able to um, possibly tell you more so than the local here because the local looks at the village and it doesn't change very much day to day, kind of where the stranger... Um, can see something that we can't see around here. We, kind of, I was born in Ashford, so I just grew up in the area, and I've seen small changes in it all right, but nothing kind of would upset the whole area in, a, in any big way, you know. Do you think all these celebrated newcomers have put up the price of houses in the area? We hope so. Hope so, yeah, because <laughs> um, it puts up the value of our houses, doesn't it? You know. And a last word about these writers from the mayor of Ashford himself. I don't think there's anybody in Ireland hasn't heard about them. 